New community, welcome to a, uh, a podcast. This is an interview podcast, and I get the privilege, the distinct privilege, of uh, interviewing Craig Lammers, whom, uh, if you were at our Sunday service this last uh, week, you may have realized that he has been invited to be a part of our elder team, our elder leadership team. And uh, so for those that maybe don't know Craig, we wanted to offer an opportunity to get to know him a little bit better. So we're doing a midweek podcast uh, just to get to know a little bit more about Craig. So Craig, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Good. Well, we're glad that you're here. And uh, I'm going to just go through uh, a series of questions um, just to get to know you a little bit better. But let's start just with some of the very, very basic questions. Tell me a little bit about you, yourself, your family. uh, So understand that part of your life. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, when you think about my family, it starts with uh, Max and me, my, my wife, Maxine. She goes by Max. We've been married for 38 years come this June. And so we have just been blessed with our marriage as well as having uh, three adult children at this time. Our oldest is Rachel. Rachel is married to Dallas. And Rachel is in the wine industry. Um, They lived in Italy for a number of years and did some work in the wine industry there. And she actually developed uh, the first and only wine club to come out of Italy that she has up and running and has done well. Wow. And um, her husband, Dallas, uh, does some business consulting, kind of helping small companies get up and get started and get running. Yeah, and they they just bought their uh, home in McMinnville, Oregon, oh, just yeah. southwest of Portland, right in the heart of Pino Country, and so they're really excited to, to be yeah. living there now in the states. Okay. Our middle son Brian is currently living over in Seattle. He is in construction management, and he is one of the uh, project leaders down um, at the dock with the ferry system. Oh, wow. I don't okay. know if you know it, but they're rebuilding that entire docking area for all the ferries that come in and out of Seattle. And he's one of the project leads down there. So that keeps him busy. Yeah, interesting. And our youngest is Brad. And um, he's currently working for a firm here in Spokane doing geotechnology work. And even though the, the company is here in Spokane, he doesn't work in the area. He's been down in California, Oregon. And now he's up in Ontario, Canada, working remotely. And uh, his claim to fame up there is he's kind of working at a site at the end of the northernmost paved road in Ontario, Canada. Wow. So um, that's his his claim to fame up there. So what uh, what exactly is geotechnology? Can you give like a concern? Well, geotechnology, of course, has to do with the earth, anything having to do with the earth and kind of the technology of what you need to do to build things in the earth. Gotcha. So whether you're putting in freeways, tunnels, bridges, uh, his company right now is they're basically working with electrical companies that are replacing these huge transmission lines and they're building new cement foundations to support these huge towers. Yeah. So there's a lot of science that goes into that to make sure things stay up and stay stable. Sure. Uh, So how long have you and Max been empty nesters now? Oh, boy. Brad uh, graduated from high school probably about seven, eight years at this point. 
seven or so eight. So it's been, been just max of me, um, yeah, here for the for about eight years. Yeah. Um, so you've got kids kind of in and around, uh, one in Spokane and then kids elsewhere. How long have right. you guys actually been in Spokane? We moved here in uh, the spring of 1984. Okay. And what brought so, you to Spokane? Well, that, that's kind of a fun story. It uh, actually starts with our marriage. Um, Max and I met when we were down in Southern California. We were both coming out of prior marriages. And we happened to meet in church and we met in church on a Sunday morning. Uh, I went to visit this church that I did once in a while because my third cousin was the pastor there. Sure. And I was sitting in one of the back pews and Max came bouncing in down one of the outside aisles <laughs> about 10 minutes late, just to make it known. That's yeah. been a part of our life story <laughs> as well. Yep. <laughs> um, and I, I thought she's pretty cute. Wonder if I might have a chance to meet her. And lo and behold, during the coffee hour after the worship service, we were introduced to each other. And after spending about 10 minutes talking, uh, the little bell rang for adult Sunday school. And Max literally grabbed my arm and said, come on, we're going to Sunday school. And we've been together ever since. Wow. So went back to that church every Sunday after that, too. It's amazing how the Lord can work in those ways to, yeah. uh, to bring you to a place. We got married, and then we wanted to leave Los Angeles. And we thought, let's move up to the Northwest. And our goal was to find a place to live that we really wanted to live, trusting that we would eventually find the work we wanted to do there, sure. if it's the place we wanted to live. So on our two-week honeymoon, we drove uh, basically through the whole Northwest, went through Salem, Eugene, Portland, Seattle, came into Spokane on a beautiful Saturday afternoon, went down to Boise, Reno, and we literally fell in love with Spokane yeah. on that Saturday uh, afternoon that we drove in. Yeah. And we came back up for interviews about eight months later and then moved here in the spring of 1984. Wow. And yeah. uh, have been here since, raised, uh, I've raised been here, since. here. Yeah, great. Yep. So um, uh, you certainly didn't uh, stop in at New Community in 1984 because it wasn't <laughs> around. Um, but you have been at New Community for, uh, I don't know, four years, five years. I actually I don't know how long. Max and I were talking last night. We think it's probably about four years okay. is when we started. Yeah. Um, why why did you first come to new community and then maybe sure. why did you um why did you decide to make this place your your yeah. church home in our years here we primarily attended uh two different presbyterian churches hamblin presbyterian church which is close to our home and when our kids got into kind of youth group age from middle school high school we switched to go to first presbyterian church downtown because uh, they just had an outstanding youth program. Yeah. And Max and I really felt like we wanted to have our kids have that kind of faith investment. Yeah. And so we made that move to offer them the best we could to develop their walk with God. But, you know, after Brad moved out of the house and went to college, we just kind of reevaluated where we were spiritually, where we were with uh, what First Press still had to offer, and we decided to look around and maybe try something different. Yeah, We ended up at a church here on the South Hill for about a year, and it was a wonderful experience in that we could walk to church. 
Yeah. And we had never done that before. And there's something about walking through your neighborhood to go to church that was really special. Yeah. But after a year there, we again felt like this just wasn't a good fit for us for a variety of reasons. And we had a few people talking to us at that time and say, you should try a new community. And actually, Rachel, our daughter, had gone to New Community when she was at Whitworth. Oh, yeah. And we, and we had stopped in on occasion, but wanted to respect her, you know, need to have her own place sure. to worship. But, Kevin, it was interesting. The first day we went to New Community, um, it was just a standard worship service down by the brewery in the old building. But during kind of the meet and greet, say hi to folks time, we turned and talked with a couple behind us and had a lovely conversation with them. And at the end of the service, as uh, we were putting our coats on, they invited us to go out for brunch to get to know them. We weren't able to go out, but as we drove home that day, it really struck us what that meant to us, that someone we didn't even know was now inviting us to go out for brunch. And that had never happened in the year that we worshiped at that other church. Uh, interesting. And had anyone reached out to us. And so we felt like we need to give this a try. We need to see if this might be where God would, would really like us to worship and invest. And since that time, we've been coming um, ever since. Yeah. And, and I'd say the two things that really keep me coming back, um, there's a sense of humbleness about our church that really strikes me. Um, other churches we've been to, there's a lot of emphasis on staging and almost performance um kind of putting on a, a little bit of a show and we don't get that at new community yeah <laughs> um, i actually tell people I, I have a feel when i walk into our church that this is a little imperfect yeah and i really like it that way because it feels humble there's humility there's an emphasis really on on worship and your relationship with god the other thing that I really appreciate is really the level of depth that you, Russ, Julie, pursue for issues regarding the church. And whether it's making a move to the new building, the sermon series we're going to do, issues that we're really struggling with. Um, when, even when, when Russ talked to me about possibly being an elder, he said, yeah, we've been praying about this for a year. Yeah. And I thought, my goodness, you've been praying about this for a year and, and I'm the one who comes to mind. Um, there's something about that dependence on the Holy Spirit, God's God's wisdom, God's will, and how you as leaders pursue that and look for that. Um, yeah. That that's one of the strong things that keeps me coming back Sunday after Sunday. Yeah. So uh Craig, this was not um maybe not uh, one of the questions that I threw out to you to kind of think about okay. uh, in preparation for this, but um, in terms of demographic, new community, um, like our kind of strongest demographic is the, you know, 25 to 45 year old person, young families. So our church feels very young in that way. As an empty nester, that's really not your demographic anymore. And our church is not filled um, with a lot of folks in your stage of life. Has that been challenging for you? Um, and if so, why? Or if it has not been challenging, maybe why? Um, no, I, I don't think it's been challenging. And maybe that's partly because we have a, a pretty solid, you know, friendship group outside of church. Yeah. And so I think that fills that need for us of, of time with same-aged people. 
it's interesting because when we started going to new community, uh, one of the people who recommended it to us said, boy, if you guys went there, you could really be mentors to that younger population that worships yeah. there at a new community. And we took that to heart. And since that time, we have done some marriage mentoring, um, you know, kind of pre-marriage work that we have found fulfilling. We also had the opportunity to host a college-age couple when we first started there. And so I, I do think part of our investment there is how can we be uh, mentors, how can we be examples, models, support, encouragement to people who are in that other uh, thick part of life of families, yeah. maybe just getting married, really being hurried uh, by the demands of life in that way. Yeah. And so for us, it's really been kind of a natural fit for maybe what we see our ministry being as well. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so uh, in a concise way, because I know that uh, when you talk about your journey of faith, uh, these there's obviously much that goes into that. But um, can you give maybe us and our church uh, family a little bit of an idea about um, kind of your journey of faith and maybe a few of the most critical uh, stages as you've grown in Christ as to um, why you think you kind of sit here in this position now? Okay. Um, well, my faith journey goes back to basically, um, I guess the day I was born, I was raised in a Christian home, a fairly fundamental conservative Christian home, the Reformed Church of America, good old Dutch Reformed. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I was kind of brought up in a family that was just pretty typical and normal at that time. Dad worked outside the home. Mom was a stay-at-home mom. Every Sunday was uh, church. Sunday evening was youth group, church, Wednesday night catechism. And so as I kind of came out of that home and, and went into college, I felt like I had a pretty strong foundation for my faith. Uh, where'd you go and to school, Craig? Um, well, I went to Hope College in okay. Holland, Michigan for my okay. undergrad and to the Fuller uh, Theological Seminary in Pasadena okay. to their graduate school of psychology there as part of the seminary. Yeah, cool. And so um, got married my senior year of college, which was very young, and we were divorced about three and a half years later. Hmm. My wife had asked uh, to, to be out of the marriage. And when you think of pivotal moments, Kevin, that was surely one of them for me yeah. in my faith walk, because I had held on to just a belief, I guess, that if you do everything right in your faith, life will just unfold in a really good way. Yeah. And here I was divorced, and I just could not put that together in some way that made sense with my Christian background and upbringing. Yeah. So I would say for probably three, four years, I put my faith on the shelf. Um, I, I don't like to say that I left it or stepped away from it, but I put it on the shelf and really reflected, struggled, thought, prayed, did some worship, trying to make sense of what not only my childhood faith, but that divorce meant for me. Yeah. And then um, had the opportunity during that time to meet Max. And I can say there was a redemption through that in that marriage and the marriage that I have had since. So that was a pivotal moment. And now I think as I'm in this um, season of my life now, I think my faith is, has moved 
dramatically from one of do's and don'ts, you know, shoulds and shouldn'ts that I was brought up with, where you kind of had answers given to you, whether you even asked the questions or not. And I'm really moving into and stepping into realizing so much is gray out there that I think there are a few givens that we really hold on to. And then the rest is a lot of gray area that we have to depend on the spirit and prayer and direction and discernment Yeah. to try to make sense in those issues or those questions. On one hand, that's really freed me up. It's, it's kind of nice on one hand to not have all the answers, but to be comfortable with the struggles and the questions in trying to figure some of those out. Yeah. Yeah, we talk uh, a lot about the idea of sitting in the tension in some of these yeah. moments, and um, and you just spoke directly to that idea. So um, you had mentioned that you were in LA. Uh, uh-huh. Also mentioned that you were uh, that went to Fuller uh, Theological <laughs> Seminary for a degree in counseling. Which I don't know if you know this, Craig, but I also went to Fuller. Uh, All right. I got a uh, did a theology degree there, Excellent. so uh, we have a shared alma mater, which is kind of fun. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm assuming your time in LA—that's when you were enrolled in Fuller. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so you received a counseling degree there. And uh, how now? Tell us a little bit about your profession because you are sure. uh, in counseling. So uh, give us just insight yeah. into that part of your life. Yeah, so I got my degree in in clinical psychology down at uh, Fuller. And when we moved up here to Spokane, I joined with another psychologist who was in private practice and was in some form of a private practice for about the first 25 years of my career. And then about uh, eight, nine years ago, I was contacted by Rockwood Clinic, a big, big medical organization here in Spokane. And they were interested in starting their own behavioral health department kind of in-house. And so they invited me to join and to come on and help to start that. And that was a pretty major change for me. That took a lot of prayer, a lot of of reflection, a lot of discussion with friends and family, because that meant going from really kind of working on my own every day to now being part of a 300 plus provider organization. Yeah. And so I came on board with them. And I've been with them ever since. And, um, you know, I like to tell people many more days than not, it was a good decision. Uh, (laughs) I suddenly was working, you know, with other providers, politics, uh, requirements, demands that I didn't have to deal with before. But there's been a lot of benefit that has come from working with Rockwood as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you're still uh, seeing individual patients, I'm assuming, uh, kind of throughout your week, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, you know, a few couples, but primarily working uh, with individual adults with, um, for counseling, for therapy who are coming yeah. in. Yeah. So um, we've said this a number of times, but this year has been a very, um, uh, a very strange year in many ways and has been challenging for people in a variety of ways. So as a counselor, psychologist uh, who is working with individuals currently, um, when when you think about reflecting back on 2020, 2021, um, what do you think we will have learned um, about ourselves and about individuals as we have all kind of walked through this uh, 
very unique season of life together from kind of from your counseling perspective. Sure. Yeah, it's been a, a really, really difficult, difficult year for just about everybody. And I, I tell people that whether you ended up having COVID or not and experienced the physical side of that, I don't know really of anybody, uh, at least in my world, and whether that's clients coming in, friends, family, that hasn't struggled at least emotionally in some way with this past year. Yeah. Um, the sense of loss that, that we've all gone through. And for me and for most of the people I talk to, it's also that sense of isolation. Yeah. And having to pull away from friends, from family gatherings, weddings, funerals, whatever those events and, and uh, things in our life that we hold on to were just taken away from us this past year. And I, I hope and I do believe I can see this for, for Max and me that there is without a doubt a sense of appreciation and value in those relationships that we have been pulled out of for this time. Yeah. And something as concrete as being able to worship together, um, getting together with my family in Denver uh, for gatherings, even having people into our home to host them for dinner. Having given those up, I hope almost all of us have a newfound appreciation of how treasured those things are in our life and to not be taking those for granted um, at any time, at least in the near future or the long-term future. And in the same way, I guess, to be making investments into those relationships as well. So I think that's what I've gathered through this. That's a lot of what I'm working on in my office with the people who come to talk to me. Yeah. Um, how do we not just go back to normal, but really create a different normal yeah. and maybe yeah. a normal that is going to be healthier in, in many ways for us in the long run. Yeah, that's good. Um, Craig, thank you so much for uh, sharing a little bit about uh, yourself and your story. Uh, the last question I want to just throw out to you is, um, as you, uh, maybe have an opportunity to kind of speak into, uh, our church community right now, what would be, uh, maybe one encouragement or one challenge that you would, uh, share with us to, to think about? Um, well, part of it would be coming out of COVID and as we do come back as a community to worship, uh, I think part of it would be a challenge to uh, step back in. I think, I know for me, as the doors opened back up, there was almost a sense of, wow, I got to get up and get dressed on a Sunday morning now <laughs> and uh, yeah. drive downtown. Boy, it was pretty nice in some ways, sitting in my living room, drinking coffee and eating a yeah. bowl of Cheerios while I listened to you. Yeah. So I think one challenge would be, please come back. Yeah. Come back and worship as a community. Let's be there in person again. And let's find ways to be invested, not only in the worship and our church, but also in the community surrounding it. And yeah. how do we, we move back into that expression of our faith once again? Yeah, that's a great word. Uh, we've talked a lot about that as a staff as well. And not coming back simply because we want people sitting in pews, but coming back because we think that there is um, actually something beyond our understanding uh, spiritually that happens when the people of God 
actually sit together and and sit in the same place uh, and can look each other in the eyes. And uh, those are important moments that we have not had in a lot of ways in the last year. And so to recapture some of those things, I think is really important. So Craig, thank you so much. Well, thank you for being a part of this interview. And um, I hope, you know, as a staff and as a church, we are praying for you and Max um, and praying that the spirit would just continue to uh, help us all discern uh, what your next step is in uh, regarding our, uh, our elder team. And uh, we're just very thankful for your time this morning. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.